It's Thursday. Today is Thursday. I've brought you the greatest gift of all. Oh, yeah? Well, in that case... Entertain me! It's showtime! Make use of the help that God puts around you. We are not a glum lot. A promise is a promise. It's very simple. Just don't drink and go to meetings. Give time, time. Easy does it. I do it. Want to have self-esteem? Just do esteemable things. One day at a time. We carry the message, not the alcoholic. Don't quit before the miracle happens. Where's an effective character? Three guys sitting around talking about our personal experience in recovery. Hey, I'm Mike. I'm Dennis. James here. The opinions are our own. We don't represent any particular organization, institution, or fellowship. Today, we'll be sharing our experience with how not to fail. In this episode 60 of the Defective Characters podcast, let's go. Oh man, I don't have any experience in not failing. Oh. This I, I, all for out you. of the three of us, I think James actually fails the least. Wouldn't you say? Probably. I, I don't keep track. You know who does? That sounds like a successful statement. I think T T probably keeps track. Like the people closest to us keep a running tally. I used to have an abacus. Yeah. <laughs> she she does have high expectations for me, but she's learning, you know, the more she expects things, the harder yeah. things will be if she, they don't She started out with high expectation and then she lowered them because, you know, James. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, she's right to have high expectations for me because, you know, I've, I've changed my way of life and, you know, I should be, you know, integral with it, all that I do and do the best I can. So if her expectations are high for me, I should uh, do my best to honor them. Now, let me let me ask you this. Are, are they actually high expectations or are they just normal expectations, but we're just not used to even meeting the normal expectations? Uh, that's a good question. I'll have to ask her. Okay. <laughs> so how, how's everything been the last couple of weeks? So I know she, she's been away. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago and then you picked up your boys. I did. Yeah. I picked up my boys. It was fun. We had a, we've had a good trip so far. They're still here and um, they're in school right now. And um, I went to go check on them and uh, they were both sleeping and they both <laughs> shot out of bed and they're like, I'm late. It's like, okay, get on, let them know that you're late and, um, you know, just tell them what, ask them what you can do to make it up. And I checked on them 15 minutes later and they were both like, yeah, I'm on dad. Get out, get out. Ah. <laughs> Cause they're on their zoom calls. So they've got a whole classroom of students and, and they don't want their, their dad coming in and like, hello, son, <laughs> who are your friends? <laughs> you should embarrass them and like, Bring them in like a bag lunch and like ooh bag and lunch. Give them a kiss on the cheek. No, and hold up, some, hold up some underwear. Are these your underwear? Or are these <laughs> How did you get this poop stain in here? Oh, uh, that's Traumatic. gross. Do you, do you guys remember? It's funny how the world has changed so much in the last thirty years since like we were in school. Of like, in your uh, oh, somebody broke glass around us. It was, it was, you know what? That must have been a lot of glass because that was at least about a thousand feet away. Where are you guys at? Window pane or something. So, like yeah. So we're, we're downtown celebration. So okay. thankfully there's not like uh, a lot of construction going on around us like previous episodes. But 
Uh, anyway, I digress. So the um, like growing up, I remember the transition from chalkboards to whiteboards. Like that happened for me. Did you guys have chalkboards growing up? Because now they're doing Zoom calls, which is crazy. Yeah, when I was in elementary school, we had chalkboards. Yeah, and yeah. To beat out the the erasers. Mm. Yep. And uh, they, yeah. I think they transitioned to whiteboards while I was in school. Yeah, I think like high school, it like transitioned. Like, no, actually, no. It was in fifth grade because I went to a brand new school that was just built. And when they built that new school, it was all whiteboards, I, I think. I remember in elementary school having, like, tables, and there would be, like, four people at a table. And then I, I, I got a glimpse of, like, the older kids, their desks with their little personal desks, and you can put, like, it would lift up, and you can keep all your stuff in there. And I couldn't wait to get one of those desks that was my own. <laughs> Did you ever get one? Oh, yeah. And I, I, <laughs> I drew all over it. Yeah. And also, it had a really cool gum holder, which is you just lift it up and put the gum underneath. ABC gum. I've never been a a person to put my gum anywhere, except really in the not even or in the a napkin. You know, I'll I'll spit it into grass. I'll spit it into grass when I'm done chewing, but I've never stuck it anywhere. I've just that's never been my style. You said you spit it into grass. Yeah, absolutely. Did anything grow? No, but I think if I did it into the grass, it's kind of concealed and people aren't really stepping in grass. Like, whereas I wouldn't spit it onto the sidewalk where it would get on someone's shoe. People, yeah, people you, step you, in grass all the time. Yeah, I usually <laughs> aim for like bushes. I throw it in the actual middle of a bush and then no one's going to step on it. Or like uh, the, the sewage drains. You guys should find a trash vestibule. That seems like that's the best possible place. It's just bubble gum. No, no, no. Don't birds? Birds can die if they eat gum, right? See, Jane, it's another thing that we failed at. It's disposing bubble gum. We need to work on that. Well, you know, I've always been a little thoughtful, so. Yeah. Well, so, so what else has been, before we turn things over to Dennis to find out how his last week was, anything else come up? And and yeah, you had to work through and find a solution. Um, geez, not really. The kids are Doug, my my one little son. He likes to play outside and skateboard and ride bikes. And the other one's just like he just wants to stay on the computer the whole time. So I I would really have to, you know, sit down and be like, listen, me and your brother want to go outside, and we want you to come with. Um, how about you come with us tonight, and tomorrow we'll do whatever you want to do. And um, he he agreed, and I ended up uh, watching Hamilton with him, and that was three oh. hours of singing and dancing. It was good though, right? Hamilton's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty good. Did, I have to enjoy it. It was pretty good. The, the little one would come up. He'd be like, "You guys are still watching this?" He'd like watch it for a little bit. He's like, "No, I can't. I can't." And he'd leave. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a, I loved it. I thought it was very well done. Is it true that Hamilton's best friend was Christopher Columbus? That is not true. No, it was That's Aaron I... Burr. Well, Bill was, Burr. That wasn't his friend either. <laughs> Bill Burr's. Uh, no, that time frame. No, has no, to be wrong. Dilbert. Dilbert. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> I, that makes sense. Yeah. 
That's that's pretty that's pretty great. Well, that sounds like a sounds like a really good week. Dennis, what do you what do you got? Um, my week. Um, anything well, with anything with the movie? No, nothing with the movie yet. Um, I did help a friend of ours videotape something. He was he was he has to make a a few videos for. I don't know if I can say, but basically a bike club, I guess is the best thing, a bicycling club. And so he asked me to help him out. So I went over to his house and I got to direct some video of him riding a bike and instructing stuff. So that was really fun. Um, yeah. Other than that, I don't know. I, uh, life happening. Mm. Nice. Yeah. That's good. I don't know. Like, I, I, I have stuff to say, but I don't want to be like a downer and like bring things down, you know? I think. Well, I, I think it's bringing things through, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, no. I, I, well, I did tell you guys how I rented the, the Tesla and I found out that it pretty much drives itself. Like my whole seven hours of the road, I was pretty much a passenger as I was driving. It's really so you you didn't have to touch the wheel. No, at all? I have. That's the thing. You you have to keep your hand on the wheel because this the car has to feel a little bit of um, friction or um, what's the word I'm looking for when you're when it's contact because it steers itself. But if it doesn't feel your hand on the wheel, it'll um, it'll give you a warning. And mm. and then like I I, I dismiss the warning. And then it like locks you out of auto drive until you stop and turn off the car, like I, <laughs> and start it back up. So, but how much pressure do you have to put on the wheel? Can you just actually just put your put your finger on? Yeah, you could if you wanted to. It's weird and and you so crazy. The cool yeah, thing I think is it's for liability reasons because you can't have a fully autonomous car yet because the technology is not there. So, yeah. you, as a driver and by law, your hands have to be on the wheel yeah. and. It's like like cyberdyne. It stops and it it accelerates like it like totally does everything for you. So I was in complete. It'll change lanes for you and stuff too. Yeah, I was in um, stop and go traffic, and I, my feet were off the the pedals, and I was just sitting there la la la. It was so cool. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and then um, man, I, I totally want to get a Tesla now. <laughs> One day. Yeah, man. Well, that's we are not sponsored by Tesla. Not yet. Not yet. We always want those sponsorships. And by the way, you don't have to pay us. You just just, just give us a free car. Sure. Give us three three Teslas. I don't. Don't be greedy. Don't be greedy. One for each of us. Two. Dennis doesn't really need one. Oh. James. James and I do need Teslas. So if you can send it over, I'll give you a PO box. Yeah. <laughs> you open a PO yeah. box and like two cars just pop yeah. out of it. So I, I shared this at a meeting I went to share with you guys. And then, Dennis, if you have anything else before we jump into the topic, feel free. I thought this was a so, James show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, I am meeting new people um, out and about, not necessarily in the dating scene um, only, but just people in general. And I'm coming across the – it's fun to meet people with different perspectives on things. And having conversations uh, that are recovery based where people are not in that community because 
the majority of my friends outside of coworkers, uh, especially in, in Florida, are in recovery. So you know how there's a different language. You know, if you've even listened to one episode of this before this one, you can kind of pick that up. Or if you've even been to a meeting, there's different slogans they get brought in. And a conversation that I had with somebody was not um, not believing that like AA uh, worked and was like kind of like too much. It was uh, not calling it a cult, but close enough that was like so that way. And something that I'm grateful for is accepting that just because I have an opinion on something, I don't have to uh, defend anything and mm-hmm. kind of like tell them that they're wrong. Because if people feel a certain way, I can actually just move on to the next thing, you know, the next conversation. And that was something that I had. And I'm grateful that I had no resentment because I think in life, no matter what it is, whether it's politically based, whether it's uh, something with your job or family based, a lot of people raise their children differently, that I was able to have that perspective because it did take, I don't know, under a minute for me to be like not offended that somebody had a different opinion than me, you know, and to know that it doesn't really matter. Like uh, all we are is different opinions here, you know, and just because I have a different belief doesn't, doesn't really matter. No, I mean, this is in this world, this day and age, you, you have the right to be wrong and I have the right to be right. So yeah, it's, it's all an opinion. Yeah. So yeah, but that's so that's that. So I'm glad it sounds like we're doing good, right? Thumbs up everybody. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'll so just Yeah, it's true. I'll just throw it's true. The, everybody you, you know, you just you want to say what you mean, but you don't want to say it mean. Mm. I like that. Yeah. That's that's solid. So, uh Dennis and I just left a in-person meeting and one of the uh, topics that came up, it wasn't the, the main topic of the meeting, but it was brought up about the different ways how to not fail in recovery. And I wanted to get your take on it, James, and, and Dennis also didn't share in the meeting, to kind of talk about the different things you do to succeed in not only recovery, but also like life and things that you use. So we could start with recovery if there's things that maybe your first sponsor uh, suggestions that he made on how not to fail. Was there anything that came up for you, James? Well, I, I can go right to the to the source of what has led me um, to my path to recovery and you know a whole spiritual change in the way I think and um, and that's you know in the where it says in the big book. Um, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Now, we gloss over that every morning um, when we're doing the readings. Um, And a lot of people spit out statistics and stuff. But, um, you know, the truth is they're talking about, you know, the first 100 um, back in 1935 to 1940. And... um, and they all recovered 
And when people did exactly what they did, they did not fail. So it's been my experience um, to, to follow the book and to really stick with it. And um, luckily for me, when I got my, my sponsor that I have now, he, um, he took me through the book as his sponsor did. And, you know, from day one, he had me um, reading, I think it was page 86, On Awakening. And uh, he was teaching me um, to pray and to quiet my mind and to, to talk to God and ask God for an intuitive thought or an inspiration and, you know, to take it easy. And um, from day one, he was teaching me how to do this. And um, he knew that by doing this, that that was laying a foundation uh, for the rest of my life, really, because this program is first and foremost uh, a spiritual program. It's a new way of living, and, um, and that involves communication with God on a daily basis. Uh, for me, it's, it's throughout the day. And, um, you know, God is a loving God um, in my wheelhouse. And, um, you know, I, I strive to be like that God on a daily basis. So that's what I got to start with. Wonderful. Um, I think there's like a, there's an old timer that, that we all know that's in our home group and there's a truck driving by. I don't know if you can hear that or Just not. Wait. Just wait. Just wait. Okay. He left. Uncontrollable technical <laughs> difficulties. Um, there's an old timer that we all know that's in our home group. And, and he always like, keep it simple. He says, don't drink, go to meetings. And like, that's, that's his motto. He says it a million times. Um, and simply, I mean, if we define success as, as not drinking, right. It's like the basic, most simplest way that we can define success in Alcoholics Anonymous, it can be that simple. Don't drink, go to meetings, because if you don't drink, you're, you're 100% successful. Um, for me, it's a lot more, though, than not just drinking. It's, it's about changing the way I live so I'm not living in the chaos that I lived before. So there's a lot more things that I got to change to ensure that I can go to, you know, go on without drinking and, and not causing pain and misery for other people in my life. Um, I think for me, the most basic, simplest way to not fail is to show up, you know, and I, I, I look at like my commitments in Alcoholics Anonymous is, is like that as commitments. And there's something that I have to do. So once I make that commitment, then I don't have to make a decision. So like, you know, every morning I have to wake up and I have to go to the meeting. So my alarm goes off at 630. Every morning when the alarm goes off, I don't want to get out of bed. You know, I just don't like I rather, you know, sleep in and be under my warm blanket and cuddling my pillow and like just I'm happy there. I don't want to freaking get up. But I don't sit there and fight it. I've already made the decision that I'm going to do it. So I just do it. And I get up, I make my coffee, and I walk to the meeting every morning. 
and then I wake up while I'm at the meeting. Um, so I know a lot of people like have to like kind of go through that decision every day. Oh, am I going to go to a meeting today? Am I going to skip today? Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? And that's a, like a fight that you're having with yourself every morning. Once you make that commitment and put it first, you realize that it's a lot easier and it just becomes habit. And I think that's important because like, you know, it's just the basic, the minimal basic of just showing up. It's when you, that's where you hear all the other things that can ensure you that you don't fail, you know? So if you can, at the beginning, basically just do that, just show up and show up consistently without making excuses on why not like, Oh, I don't feel like it. Oh, I'm busy. I'm all of this. If you do that, then you're, you're on the right foot to learn everything else you need to learn to be a successful in the long term. Love that. Hey, nice share, buddy. How did that feel? It felt honestly a little nerve wracking because there was people nearby. And so I'm like, it's 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 out of like speaking. It. Yeah, we were we were like immersed into a bodega for a minute, and now we're coming out of it. So I will say for a fact that I am glad the it was the very first meeting I went to in celebration. I think this was the topic. Well, no, hold on. When I moved the because I because I vacationed uh, here a couple times, and that's where I actually met. Uh, my sponsor, Brian, um, or at least first heard him. But as soon as I moved to town, I think this topic was extremely close because the, the, our home group in person home group is a open discussion six days a week, um, 8 a.m. in celebration. If you're in town going to Disney, you know, definitely uh you know, raise raise your hand and say, "Hey, uh, is are any of you James, Dennis, and Mike?" And yeah, you know, we're the, we're three of the most attractive guys in that meeting, wouldn't you say, Dennis? I am not going to comment. You'll be able to. You'll be able to point this out. Definitely, James. Uh, anyway, so uh, but in that meeting, it was a little overwhelming the fact that there were so many opinions on how to succeed, you know, which being the opposite of, you know, how not to fail. How, uh, how are you going to succeed? And someone talked about how, yes, going to meetings is important, but also making sure that if you have something to say or something's going on, or maybe just no one else is sharing, you put your hand up. And just, I guess, uh, claim your seat. And that was something I want to attribute that and my connection to my higher power to, to that. Because when I moved to Celebration, I think it very easily could have went the wrong way. And I could have hit out. I could have said, no, I don't need to go to meetings. But instead, I did a 90 and 90 when I got to town. And went out to the meeting after the meeting and knowing that just not drinking and going to meetings does not work for this alcoholic. Might it for some? Sure. Have I met any? Yeah, I think I've met some. But I don't know if their days feel like mine. Like when I'm having a great day, 
I'll be honest. I can't imagine anybody having a better day than me. Do you know those days, James, where you're like flying high, maybe like a pink cloud day? Have you had that thought of like, wow, like today was great and actually like dive into to what's important, like with that feeling, like like how that came about? Yeah, I mean, for me personally, most days are like that. And, um, you know, when, when Dennis was sharing, you know, I was thinking about how he, he likes his bed and stuff. But um, I, I I also like my bed. I think it's the covers that he likes. I don't know. Like, I've seen his bed. I like it's... to be in a cocoon and, like, comfy <laughs> yeah. and, like, cozy. For me, I like... Um, like I get excited about the day ahead of me. And um, like I've, I've shared before that I go, you know, right into gratitude and right into prayer before I even um, get out of bed. And then I just, I, I just start smiling and then I get excited. Um, thoughts come up about things that I have to do or things that I've done. And, you know, I think about things, but I, I quickly go, you know, back to the gratitude and, and the day ahead. Um, I always start the day with, um, you know, a little bit of worship music and, um, and then I, I make some coffee. I, like I have a nice routine and I get right on the morning meeting, you know, I'm on that seven days a week and, um, you know, I do exercise, um, at least three times a week and, um, I eat right and it, it seems like everything's okay. Um, you know, when things come up, um, you know, I, I just, I take it how it is and, you know, I, I try not to think about it too much. Um, I don't know. It's, I don't know how this has to do with failure, but by doing what works, you know, I, I stay on the, the right side of, of failure, you know. Um, if I was to try to obtain something or become knowledgeable or want to proceed in a career, then I think I have what it takes. Um, the question is, do I want to do that? And at this point, you know, I'm, I'm content with everything all around me, but I know that, you know, when the pain's good enough or great enough, you know, I'll, I'll want to change. And, um, you know, sometimes change is inevitable. So we'll have to see how it goes. How about this one? And I'm going to toss this to Dennis, and you can respond to to what James said. Um, but the phrase, and it's a, it's a slogan of sorts that's sometimes printed off in some rooms and put on the wall. Stick with the winners. Do you agree agree with that well, when it comes to? Because I mean, winning is the opposite of failing. So, like, how 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 does that? come into the program do you agree with sticking with the winners yeah i mean i think absolutely and i and i was just thinking like james is sharing that like you know the the not drinking going into meetings is like the bare basics right and then and i stated in my last share that like you go to the meetings so you can hear what else you you need to do you know and and hear what you need the message that you need to be successful long term and some of those things that you're going to hear is, you know, get a sponsor, do the steps, call your sponsor, get phone numbers and, and stuff like that, and then fellowship. 
I think all of those are kind of like that next step. But one of those, as far as like stick with the winners is absolutely, you know, like we're all, no matter what we, you know, think of ourselves or whatever ego or whatever I have, we're influenced by the people that we surround ourselves with, whether we know it or not. It's, uh, it's just the human nature that we are influenced by people. And so there's a, you know, like Alcoholics Anonymous and, and other recovery programs are, are diverse collectives of people. So there's all kinds of different people that are going to come into the program. Some are going to be forced there by the courts. Some are going to come in voluntarily. Some are going to come in by family pressure or whatever. But, you know, there are people that you are going to meet in the rooms that don't take it seriously. They're going to work the program their own way. They're going to constantly relapse and stuff like that. And if you surround yourself with, you know, people that are being more cynical about the program or like more like picking what they want to do and not want to do and are constantly relapsing and making excuses for their relapses or just not caring about them, then that's that's what you're going to learn. You know, the winners like I remember when I first started coming into the rooms I started going to like three meetings regularly all here in celebration and I chose the morning meeting the celebrate the morning meeting the one that we call our home group I chose that as my home group as the one that I consistently went to no matter what um uh, mainly because of the old timers that were there like these are this is the meeting that had like people that had 30 years, 40 years, 50 years and stuff that have been sober longer than I've been alive. And these are people that understood who they were and what life they had had and the way they're living it now. And then they could articulate that with a sort of wisdom that like. I can't even articulate it now having like three and a half years, you know? And I think when I, when I saw that, when I met these people, I was like, I want what they have, you know? Um, and I, and I think that's, that's really important. And, and I, and fellowship is a part of the program too. You know, you, you, you'll find a lot of people that you'll see at the meetings they come to the meetings relatively consistently, not every day, but like you see, and you might see them every Saturday or whatever, and they have lives that they live. But the only contact they have with AA is those few meetings that they go to every day. Where me, and I think I can speak for Mike and James at this point, where like mainly our main friends, the people that we hang out with regularly and go to do fun things with, are in the program and that's what we call our fellowship and that's important because i know like if i'm dealing with something if i'm dealing with something that relates to recovery or something that doesn't relate to recovery i have people in my life that you know i can call and i can get help with and or advice or even sometimes just vent and i think that's like one of the most important things, you know, and I think when you have that, you want to be with those winners. You want to have friends that you can count on that, you know, when you call 
you you know, they're going to pick up or they're going to call you back when they can or like, and when you have something that you need support in that they'll show up and support you and like, you know, cheer you on in life, you know? Yeah. I, I look at it like, <clears throat> so stick with the winners sometimes. And I, uh, if you've been to an open discussion meeting, it's one of the topics that I've heard tossed around and I look at it differently instead of stick with the winners. I look at it like stick with people that are trying to win that aren't so easily giving up at things because life is not supposed to be easy breezy, but the perception of it is supposed to be that anything that does come up, you can tackle. So it just doesn't sound as good. And maybe it doesn't fit on a, a poster stick, stick with people that want to win. That's why I stick with the winners. I feel like is like a slogan that's out there. But some people get take resentment and they say, well, if you're sticking with the winners, then are you going to be working with a newcomer that is going through a really tough time that life has beaten them down and maybe people in their life are saying that they're losers? And it's like, that's different. But I think that's kind of taking that slogan out of context, you know, like it's a slogan for the newcomers. I think once you get to step 12, you kind of hopefully are a winner yourself and you know that you know you got to turn back go down the elevator and bring someone else up you know yeah what do you think james are we talking about stick with the winners yeah i mean i mean as far as as far as winning and in failing being something that you're striving you're always striving to get better no that makes sense um you know for me it was um when I'm in a meeting, um, I'm certainly, um, you know, paying more attention when some people talk and completely shutting down when, when other people talk, which is not the best thing to do. Um, but, you know, we just want to make sure Dennis knows right. we're not talking about you. It, okay. Oh, I wasn't paying attention. Sorry. <laughs> and that's just, you know, with goes in hand in hand with my unconscious biases, you know, I, I've heard these people so many times. I know exactly what they're going to say word for word. Um, but that's, um, that's no excuse. You know, I, I need to, you know, when I'm in a meeting, um, I should, you know, be, I should be empathetic and, and lend an ear to everyone because I don't know who's going to say something that's going to speak to me in that moment. I don't know which person is going to be connected to the higher power uh, a little more so that morning. And it's going to say something that God wanted me to hear. It's, it's important for me to, to be um, attuned and, and listen. And um, as far as sticking with the winners, you know, I, um, I think I have a pretty good discernment. Um, I, um, some people I have uh, more fun with <laughs> and um, they're not always the best of um, influences for me, if you will. And um, sometimes my wife reminds me of that. She's in the program too. And she lets me know just because your friends are doing it doesn't mean you have to do it. And um, you know, that's helpful. I think, you know, over these past three years, I've, I've gotten a little more, Grown up, if you will. If you will, we got an echo. 
Hello? Hello now. Okay. Hello? So, um, you know, once I'm through the program, um, once I, I've, I've got a strong foundation, I've done the steps, and I start working with other people, um, you know, it's I, I like to think that, you know, I, I choose my friends carefully. And for like you two examples are, are, are good. You guys always speak life. Um, you're kind. Um, we're, you know, we're not bringing each other down. We're us three in particular are always bringing each other up and, um, you know, we're there for each other. And, um, you know, my sponsor too, he's, he's always, he's given me kind words. And sometimes he says things that I necess that I don't necessarily wanted to hear, but I needed to hear. Um, and I love the power of the old timers, you know, sometimes, you know, I've gone to, to Al, who uh, just tells you how it is. Uh, sometimes, you know, Steve is always kind and loving. Um, you've even got Babe. All those guys are just just wonderful winners that, uh, you know, have their faults just like anybody, but they've been through so much that they have so much to offer. And, they, and they're loving and they like to offer it because they know in turn – you know, what was freely given to them, they have to do it to others. And it's just a nice circle. And uh, newcomers, newcomers are wonderful because we're all newcomers at one point. Um, I see, for me, my approach to newcomers is I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be genuine. I'm going to listen. And I'm going to show them, you know, what I did. Uh, I'm not the type to be, you know, a hard ass. I'm not going to be like, sit down and shut up. That's not my style. Some people are like that and some people need that. That's fine. It's not my job to be judgmental today. It's my job to be what God has, has blessed me with. And, and that's love and tolerance today. Bob, I, I just want to point out that James called us winners, Mike. Was it, is that true? Was that was that on purpose? Did, I, did those words come out of my mouth? I don't. I don't know. Not, not the exact words. Yeah, but, but you definitely alluded to I mean, Dennis, that we are winners. Dennis makes up a lot of stuff. So we hear what we want to hear. Some. It's my job to make stuff up. Yeah, but I, I got a question for y'all. So, like the other day, I was at a meeting and someone asked me. If um, if there was a right or wrong way to do Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, and I was like, yeah, I think there is. And he said, well, what's the right way to do it? And I was like, as simple as possible, I was like, well, you don't drink, you get a sponsor and you do the steps. Like, that's the right way to do it. You know, not everyone does that. So what do you guys think about that? Is there a right and a wrong way to eat a Reese's? To eat a Reese's? Um, I would say... Yeah, the the right way you don't um, pick up and you become a uh, participating, contributing member of society that is uh, like James has said on many time every morning. And I've I, I will admit I did adopt this probably I don't know six months before we started the podcast of praying that and yes I should have started it earlier. Uh, 
since I hit years in sobriety. But when I was doing my third step uh, prayer and seventh step, I wouldn't actually articulate it in the same way that James talks about of uh, hoping that somebody presents themselves that I can be of ultimate service to. And uh, I've been doing that. And I think if you do the, if you do those things, then you're doing it right. I, that's what I think. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I, I think, the, um, you know, as far as let's just, you know, bring it down to just AA in particular, the 12 step program that we are all a part of, uh, which we don't represent. But uh, for us, for mm-hmm. us, for me, um, the right way to do it is instructed in our textbook, which is uh, the big book also called Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, the blue, the I've blue never book. heard it called the blue book. Well, you just did. <laughs> I said the big book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, no, <laughs> oh, I think you okay. just heard it, though. Because so, I just um, said it. Because the, the book is, is blue. It's so, blue. Sometimes it's red. Sometimes it's got a design on it. But the the best one is the yeah. fourth edition. So what's remarkable is this book is is like it has <laughs> um, it has a bunch of warnings in it, and it has a bunch of instructions in it, and um, it gives examples and it gives stories. Um, this is what this is what we did, and this is what happened. This is what we did, and this is what happened. It does it over and over again, and it's it's exactly the same as alcoholics today. You know they. They do stuff or things or they drink and they do stuff that they didn't want to do over and over again and and bad stuff happens. So the book is just, you know, it's relating to people and it's telling you like, this is what we did. And and it gives you 12 steps in order. And if you do these 12 steps exactly how it's instructed in the books, you will recover. And because of this, um, once you're recovered, you're fundamentally changed and then you you want to keep growing spiritually i've heard you know that aa is uh it's spiritual kindergarten so you know it's actually encouraged in the book to to branch out and to find um whatever it it is you may be looking for maybe christianity judaism buddhism it's not it doesn't matter what it is as long as you're, you're you're branching out and um you know, that's what I've been able to do. Um, and, and it's funny because, you know, when the, the founders, Bill and Bob and the first 100, uh, when they wrote that, you know, rarely have we seen a person fail who is thoroughly following our path. Um, their path was, you know, doing these steps uh, in, in one to two weeks. And um, they didn't have the big book. You know, what they were working on is uh, the book of James. Uh, from the Bible, First uh, Corinthians 13 and the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and what they did was they took all the information they learned and then they, they put it into the big book with their stories. Uh, so, so naturally, like, I love history. So I, I started reading the book of James. Uh, I haven't got into Sermon on the Mount yet, but First Corinthians 13, and it's just remarkable how many parallels there are and you know it's really cool so and you guys know that you know for three years 
well, two and a half years, you know, I went to Bible study every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. And it was just, I was on a different level. I absolutely loved it. Now, I will say that when I was in those studies, uh, the, the fellowship, the camaraderie was, it was not the same as AA. So, you know, afterwards, I would go right to a meeting and I would feel a little more at home. But it was so nice to, to get into the theology and, and to learn, you know, where all of this, this came from. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's lo- I love growing spiritually. Whatever. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. But I think before we run out of time, I think it, it, it'd be important to touch on um, uh, the service aspect of it. You know, if you want to ensure to not fail is to uh, get involved in your home group and in the community that is around you. And the best way to do that is, is through service. You know, whenever you like early on in my, the first year, that I was in the rooms, I took a coffee commitment. I did that coffee commit. I mean, I'm still setting up and stuff. Um, but in doing that, it made, it gave me a, a commitment that I had to be there and I had to be there early before everyone else was there. And so in that, I, since I was there every single morning and people would slowly come in and talk to you and stuff like that, you actually get to know people and they get to know you and you feel a lot more a part of the group and the fellowship and stuff rather than like, you know, coming into a meeting five minutes late, leaving right when it ended and stuff like that. You never get involved in it. So I, I, I what do y'all think about the importance of taking like a service commitment to like hedge your bet against failure? You know? Well, what I think is funny is that you can definitely tell in Dennis's voice that he's trying to pass off his commitments. So I think that's oh, no. why <laughs> I think that's why I, I brought it up. I, I did pass them <laughs> off. I passed them off to newcomers and other people that needed a service commitment. And the then spirit all of, of sudden, tradition. All of a sudden somehow I'm, a rotation. I'm still doing it. What is it? The spirit of rotation. That's what it is, right? You got to rotate through. You give um, everyone a chance to do good in the world. Yeah, I think it's I think it's important, and uh, you know, I I think I talked about it uh, before, especially early in sobriety. I was supposed to already have had a year in sobriety before I was able to be the general service representative for my home group in Burlington, Vermont, but no one wanted to step up. And I was there at the uh, group conscious and my friend John was like, hey, Mikey will definitely do it. He's right here. And, you know, Mikey will eat anything. Yeah. And, and I did. It, and it was it was a good life. It was um, <laughs> it's because of the cereal. Never mind. It's, Don't explain it. <laughs> <laughs> so but I did that for uh, for a year before leaving Burlington and it kept me sober and. It's amazing the things that, you know, just showing up and a little bit early, you do feel like that's that obligation. And I know, speaking for this alcoholic, that I let so many people down when I was in my addiction that now when I was coming into AA and the different suggestions that they have, and one of them was to pick up a responsibility like Dennis was talking about, I did, and it kept me sober, and that's definitely how 
Thanks for uh, thanks for reminding me, Dennis. James, you got oh, anything? Well, How do you feel? All for service. You know, I'm. I think that's um, almost a 99% chance that you will not fail if you're deep in a service commitment. And um, you know, it's not foolproof, but you've got a better chance of, of making it and staying sober and, and finding recovery and a spiritual awakening if you've uh, planted yourself in a service commitment early. And, you know, for me, uh, my sponsor, Brian, for the first month, he told me to sit down, shut up. You've got nothing that anyone wants. To so I did it. After a month, I went to meetings every day. He's like, okay, I want you to sign up for a meeting once a week. And by doing that, you know, I would uh, I got to meet people, and uh, and I didn't really think about drinking. You know, it was quite remarkable. But yeah, service is good, and uh, the prayers they work. You know, even if it's not in AA, you know, if you're helping, you're helping someone. And I said it before; I'll say it again. I like to help people, especially when I don't want to help them. That is the way I grow. Nice. Well, that's good. Well, I appreciate you guys. That puts a wrap on today's episode 60. We'll be back next Thursday sharing our experience, strength, and hope with you with episode 61. With an effective character, it's entirely ready to have all these character defects removed. Remember, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. And we'll see you next time.